Are you ready to get in the Word today? I think we've already been in the Word. Do we ever get out of the Word around this place? No, 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 right? Well, I want to continue talking about reigning in life. It just seems like for months now, I kind of go up the same mountain at different angles. The message is very clear that God wants you to experience his blessing, not in theory, but really experience it in your life. So we teach these things so that you can lay hold of what Jesus has provided for you in salvation. So let's get into this a little bit. Turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It's the foundational scripture. Last week we talked a little bit about what it means to reign in life through the grace of God. It's really hard to talk just about the grace of God. You have to talk about, really you have to talk about faith because we have entrance into the grace of God through faith. But then you can't stop there. You've got to talk about righteousness because the grace of God reigns through righteousness unto eternal life or eternal zoe, the God quality of life. So we're going to talk about that today, but it all started right here. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it said, For if by one man's offense death reigned, and this one man's offense is talking about Adam's sin in the garden. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says sin came into this earth and then death came into this earth by sin. And so now death reigned. Death reigned. Spiritual death had a hold of mankind. Man could not break out of it. See, people will say, well, good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. But that's just not true. People don't go to hell for what they've done. They go there by their own choice because of who they are. In spiritual death, man became identified with Satan, so they will spend eternity where he is. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice, and on that cross almost 2,000 years ago, every sin of every human being that has ever lived, see, the result of sin is death, Every sin was laid on the body of Jesus and was once and for all condemned. So now, in this age of the church, when Jesus said, it is finished, and now he came out of that grave, the church age started. And this is the age, we call it the age of the dispensation of the grace of God. Now God is not holding man's sins against him. See, God is holy and cannot and will not dwell with sin. But now, because of Jesus, God is able to legally remove the sin, so now God can come into a person, or come to a person, and reveal himself, and wake up their conscience, who are spiritually dead, so that they can make a choice, and decide that they want Jesus, and give their life to him, and be saved. And that's the message. That's why we are here. We are to be a light in the world. This is why, this is why we don't make any 
Uh, we don't apologize for this. God wants you healthy. He wants you blessed. He wants you so blessed that everybody looks at you and says, wow, God's blessing you. And you could say, absolutely, and it's for you too. Because that's the message. And that's why we're here. And oh, our life is so short. I mean, if you look at a lifespan, it's like a vapor, God says. But God, see, death reigned. Man couldn't get out of it. This word reign, it's, let me, let me make sure I say it. It's basileu in the Greek. It literally means to have full and superior dominion. Death had full and superior dominion. No man can ever be good enough to break out of it. You couldn't do enough good things, right? I mean, you could feed a mule the same food as a racehorse. You could train him like a racehorse. You can do all of it, but at the end of the day, he's still going to be a mule. And that's so we were locked into this, but then it says this much more. And this phrase in the Greek means so much more that you can't compare it. So as much as death was reigning in the world, much more something else happened. They which receive. Notice, it doesn't say they which God would give. It's not a matter of God giving. And God doesn't give to one and take away from another and then choose to not give to this one. That is religion that says that. Actually, they quote the book of Job. Job said that. But don't, you know, give Job a break. That was the first book of the Bible written by Moses. Job really believed that, that if he did good, God would bless him. If he didn't, God's going to get him. And so he said, the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we, we sing songs about that. But you got to keep reading the book of Job because later on he said, Oh Lord, I've spoken wrongly about you. He didn't know. He spoke 74 things about God that just weren't true. And God called him a perfect man, a wholehearted man, because when the Lord showed up and revealed himself, Job's like, Oh my gosh, Lord, I've spoken wrongly. He didn't make excuses, Amen. right? So we need to know that God is good, God has provided life. But it says here, they which receive. So that denotes whoever wants to receive. This is a whosoever will, let him come. You come as you are. You don't got to clean yourself up to come to God. You come just as you are. And then what happens is he makes you like him. Isn't that awesome? Much more, they which receive. This word receive is interesting because it literally means they which take hold of and then act upon. That's what it means to receive. It doesn't just mean I catch something. You know, you catch a touchdown pass and then they spike it in the end zone. No, no. You, I lay hold of it. They which receive. They which take hold of and continue in. What? The abundance of grace, what is that? That's the finished work of Jesus. Everything that God has given man was by his grace. Man couldn't earn it. You've heard a definition of the grace of God? It's, it's God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. You've heard this term, unmerited favor. 
right? I didn't merit it. He made me the righteousness of himself. In Christ, all I had to do was believe what he said. I could never earn it. I don't deserve it, right? This is, what, this is the message of Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's where God came looking for you. He knows you. He knows right where you are today. And he wants to hook up with you right where you are today. He's not mad at you. What would he have to be mad about if Romans chapter 8, in those first three verses, if they are true, what in the world could he possibly be mad at you for? He condemned every, all of your sin in the body of Jesus. The Pauline revelation is when you realize that, wow, because of that, it says this, I was crucified with Christ. So when he died on a cross, positionally, all of my sin, I died on that cross, that old man that I was. I was the Bible says I was buried with him in baptism. So I was buried. When he went into the grave, I went into the grave. And then it says this, when he was raised, I was raised with him to newness of life. And now I'm seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. See, the Bible says, if I will reckon myself dead to sin, if, but I need to know the, these things in order to do that, then I realize that, wait a minute, I am no longer spiritually dead. I am spiritually alive. I'm God's child. See, this is why there's nothing for him to be mad at me about. Now, if I'm doing sinful behavior and unrighteous behavior, is he pleased with that? Well, absolutely not. Can he work in my life? Well, absolutely not. Because God can't work in that environment. Why? Because he'd have to violate your will to work in that environment. But what will he do? He'll keep knocking on the door of your heart. Right? Hey, Tony, lay that down. You know, forget about that mistake. Just confess it before me. Let's go. Come on, I've got a life for you. That's what he does. So our whole lives, realize God loves you. And he wants you to walk in everything that he's given you. I mean, think about this. Jesus comes out of the grave. Now, when he was on the earth, he said he had authority. Right? He sent 70 out. He sent his disciples out. He gave them delegated authority. He walked as a man with authority on the earth. But when he came out of the grave, he said something a little different. He said, now, all authority in heaven, on earth, and under the earth has been given to me. And then he told in Mark 16, he told, now you go in my name. And at the end of that chapter, the Great Commission, it says, and the Lord worked with and confirmed his word with signs following. See, God sends his word and heals. God sends his word and strengthens. God sends his word. Do you know how he sends his word in the earth now? See, he already sent his word, Jesus. Now guess how he sends them? You. You and I. We're the mouth, we're the hands. You lay hands on the sick, does that mean you'll heal them? Nope. He's the healer. He watches over his word to perform it. So it says here, they which receive. 
the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign. Again, same word, basilui, or basiliu. I can hardly say it. But this Greek word means we'll have full and superior dominion in life. Now that sounds really good, but it's not talking about your natural life. It's talking about we'll have full and superior dominion in the Zoe life of God. So this is what, how it works. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, Zoe life, the God quality of life, that you might have it more abundantly. How, how does that happen when I take hold and continue in the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness? I will have full and superior dominion in, in Zoe, which will cause me to walk on this earth in dominion and in authority. Do you see that? It's, it's the same thing. Now, in verse 21, it will tell you how it does it. But I want to make a couple statements. This full and superior dominion. What is dominion? This word dominion means the right and power to rule. You have been given in Christ the right and the power. Right? Police officer... He comes to your door and he wants to take you for free room and board because you broke the law. You have this badge and you know he has the right. But then if you look down at his side and you see that Glock 9mm right there, you know he also has the power. God has given us the right to govern and to rule in this earth. But he also gave us the power right? The power is in the name of Jesus. When we speak his name, his power and his presence is there to change circumstances, to come in line with what his word says. It literally means the right and power to rule, to govern, and to control. It literally means sovereign authority. That's what God gave Adam and Eve. If you read Genesis chapter 1, he gave them sovereign authority in the earth. Jesus got that back for you and I as the church. Why am I saying this? Don't allow anything in your life that the word says you don't have to put up with. Poverty, lack, sickness, disease, dissension, offense, division, fear. You don't have to give fear any place. Terror, anxiety, depression, no place. You have sovereign authority over it in the name of Jesus. No addiction. No addiction can hold you because of your authority. If you'll simply stand in your authority and command things to change, it has to change. And, and if, you really, if you really look at stuff in your life, so much of it we just allow because we don't want to change, right? But forget about changing because you can't do it. Oh, thanks, Pastor. That really uplifts me, right? <laughs> See, the Bible wants you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your job is simply to present your body a living and holy sacrifice, and to renew your mind with the Word of God. 
So I meditate in the word day and night, and what happens, what, as the word is implanted in my spirit, man, it will come out of my spirit, and it'll go through my mind, and it'll renew my thinking. So now who I am on the inside will dominate on the outside, and you'll see that. And that's what we're talking about. Reigning in life. There's another word, too, that goes right along with dominion. It's called subdue. God told Adam and Eve, you have dominion and you subdue the earth. So subdue, it literally means to conquer, to bring under permanent subjection and disable from future resistance. So how do we subdue? We literally say what God has said. Because Jesus has done this already. So now, what do we do? We enforce it. Satan, you are done. I, what, this is what it looks like. God's word says this. Whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. In other words, heaven will back that up. Whatever you loose in the earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, heaven will back that up. See, this is how we subdue. The enemy's been defeated, but have you noticed he lies, he cheats, he steals, he deceives, but he has no power, and that's what we need to know. One thing holding more Christians back, holding more Christians in bondage, is a lack of knowledge of righteousness. It's an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. This is huge, and this is why we teach along these lines. Righteousness, if you don't understand what this word means and what righteousness is, you will be unable to understand the Pauline revelation. You know, as you go through all the epistles, right? If you, as you go through Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans, you've got to understand what it means that we've been made the righteousness of God. So many people think that righteousness is your behavior, but that's holiness. If you want to walk holy before God, which is your behavior, you must understand who you are, that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, because holiness flows out of righteousness. Does that make sense? So we got to get this right. It's the key word in the revelation which God gave Paul. The reason why Satan is able to reign in the lives of some Christians is because they don't realize that they have a part to play. See, this, this is... See, I grew up in a church. I grew up in a church, and this is a predominant thought in the church today that... If God wants me to have something, then he'll just give it to me. And that's a lie. See, well, actually, it's not really a lie. It's just the timing's off. Because we think if God wants me to have something right now today, that he's going to right now today give it to me. And that's where we go off. No, 2,000 years ago, he gave it to you. So it's yours, you own it, but you still have to possess it by faith. James tells us that. We must possess by faith or through faith what God has given us by his grace. So we call this 
a no-fault religion. It's not my fault. You know, I grew up in a denomination, and if somebody was sick, they would just pray, Lord, I come to you today, and I ask that you'd heal me if it be your will. And, and that never works, because you're not even praying according to the will of God. The only time you're ever to pray, Lord, if it be your will, that's those rules of prayer, that's the prayer of consecration. The only time you see it is in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus goes to his father and says, Father, if there's any other way to redeem man other than me becoming sin and being separated from you, you're great, you can do anything. But then he said this, but not my will, your will. But that doesn't work in the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith means what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. So see, in order to pray and receive things by faith, we have to know what's been given to us. And this is why it says in Romans 5, 17, they that receive, lay hold of, and continue in the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Why did it say that? Because see, here's the deal, and I'll say this again, how we enter into the grace of God, how we receive those things that God's given us by his grace, we have to believe it. So faith is how we receive it. Does that make sense? We enter into the grace of God through faith. you got to believe that he wants, your, he wants your body healed. He wants your finances overflowing. He wants your mind at peace. He wants you restored. We're not to live wounded, ever. And when God, if we'll just, if we'll literally present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice and renew our mind with the word, he'll take away every scar, every scar. It's amazing. See, the fruit of righteousness, if we get there today, it's peace, it's quiet assurance. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's an amazing thing in the life of a Christian how God has provided all this. So now in Romans chapter 5, verse 21, it says that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So I enter into the grace of God by faith. And now, the grace of God, what does it do? It has full and superior dominion in my life. Everything that God's given me, but it reigns how? Through righteousness. You have to know you've been made righteous. Otherwise, you'll buy the lie of the enemy that says you're not good enough. No, you messed up one too many times, right? you got to know who you are. As, oh gosh, and, and here's the thing. you got to buy one of these mirrors. And, and here's the mirror. If you want to see what you look like spiritually, this is, this is the mirror. And I would encourage you to get a paper mirror along with some digital stuff too. And underline in that paper mirror, because as you underline and as you peer into the Word of God, the Bible says that God is able to fashion you into His image. 
This is how I know who I am. See, I'm never going to be able to lay hold of all that he's given me by his grace unless I know who I am in him. That I've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. This is huge. As sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal zoe, the life of God, which Jesus came to give you, his quality of life. In other words, this is the pathway to living the quality of life that God lives. And notice, you don't have to earn it. You just have to believe it in order to walk in it. That's it. And guess what? Believing is not this woo-woo feeling. It's just simply a choice. I choose to believe it. I'm a believer, right? Romans chapter 5, go back to verse 1. I want to lay this foundation because I've been talking about how that we have access into grace through faith, but I want to read it to you. I want you to set your eyes on it. In verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, Therefore being justified. What that word justified in the Greek means is declared righteous. Therefore being justified or declared righteous by faith. Isn't that amazing? To be made the righteousness of Almighty God, Tony Finley just had to literally believe what God said. That's it. The minute I believed it, I was made the righteousness of Almighty God. Isn't that amazing? It says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that really, if, if we would teach on that scripture a little bit in seminaries, we'd stop preaching this nonsense about God's out to get you. I remember one young man that came when we were youth pastors in Southern California. One young man came, and you could tell his parents probably made him come, you know. He's a surfer guy and, you know, pretty worldly. And so after the, after the youth night, I said, so, hey, you know, what's your deal? And, uh, you know, what, what do you think about this whole thing with God? And he's like, he's like, dude, God and I have an agreement. I don't mess with him, and he doesn't mess with me. But you know, a lot of people, that young man, he had enough sense to speak it, but many people live this way. I, I, I'm not going to mess with God, and I don't want him to mess with me. And it, you know why people say that? It's because they don't know who God is. Because they think God's somebody that messes with you. Listen, God comes into your life, he doesn't turn your life upside down, he turns it right side up. Oh, he, he's irresistible. I love that. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it says, through our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say through our Savior. The Bible doesn't talk a lot about Jesus as Savior. He talks about Jesus as your Lord. To be saved, you don't believe that God rose Jesus from the dead and then say, Jesus, I believe you're the Savior of the world. That's not going to get you saved. you got to say, Jesus, because I believe, I'm proclaiming now you are my Lord. See, the demons believe and they tremble. But when a, child, when a, when a, a human being who's spiritually dead will say, Jesus, 
I'm not my Lord anymore. You are. They're made brand new on the inside. And that's, that's what it means to be born again. It says in verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. And now it's going to tell us a little bit about grace. Wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope, in hope of the glory of God. The grace of God, which is literally his ability coming into your life, will enable you to stand and rejoice instead of being bent over and complain and murmur. So I'll tell you, it changes everything when you tap into God's ability. In your own ability, you're going to be, oh man, I'm going through this. This is so hard. And, and you just get bowed low. But no, no, no. In the grace of God, he now lifts you up. And now I stand and I rejoice. God's will for your life is for you to stand and rejoice. Why? In the hope of the glory of God being shown in your life. See, if grace was a tree, glory is the fruit. And God wants you to have a constant infilling of his grace and a constant outflowing of overflow. Hey, you've heard me say this. All ministry, all life flows out of the overflow of my personal walk with God. What is that overflow? It's glory. What is glory? It's his presence. His presence, I live in it, and his presence comes out of me. And the more I become aware of who I am, the greater he's able to do that. The anointing of God. Isn't that awesome? We have access by faith into the grace of God that causes us to stand and rejoice in hope, in a confident, joyous expectation that I will see the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? What does the glory of God look like? What are you facing? could be a new, new joint. It could be a change in your body. It could be a change in your finances. It could be a change in your whole life. You know, the head of our worship right now is out of town experiencing the very glory of God, right? First time in years and years and years they're spending, him and Chris are spending a weekend with their family in complete restoration. We went year after year seeing no change and no change and he kept believing, him and Chris kept believing, just pressing in and now they're experiencing glory. That's what God wants for you. It's not over. Yeah, but you don't understand. This thing is dead. God is the God that makes dead things alive. Right? He's able to open doors that no man can shut. Yeah, I've shut doors. I've, you know, I've messed my life up. I'm, I've got a criminal record. I've got this. I've got that. You know, I've, all this stuff. And God says that's nothing in comparison to what I have. God is a God of restoration and healing and newness. There's one thing in the Bible that's amazing. He makes all things new. Never forget that. So now we look at Acts chapter 20. We looked at this last week. Acts chapter 20, in verse 32, it says this. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, what? Which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. 
The grace of God, his ability in your life is able to build you up. How many need to be built up? Man, I I don't ever want to not be being built up. This is a 24-7 forever thing for me. Right? He's able to build me up. Have you ever felt broken, downcast? This week, don't you have kind of, if you start thinking about the wrong things, speaking the wrong things, all this stuff will come all over you. I got to tell you, it has no power. And if you will literally tap in, go boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace to help you in your time of need, all of a sudden as you start speaking these words that are written in the word of God over you, what God said about you, it'll change everything instantly. Why? Because as sin reigned, so much more it can't be compared. The grace of God reigns. This is huge. The grace of God is able to build you up and give you and inheritance. The grace of God gives you your inheritance. Are you believing God for healing? Are you believing God for finances? Are you believing God for debt cancellation? Are you believing God to be free from depression, anxiety, all this stuff? Are you believing God for restoration? Listen, the grace of God will build you up so that now you will stand and rejoice and speak the word of God in faith so that now you can lay hold of your inheritance. This is how it works, guys. This is a huge deal. So grace then, having said that, is the divine deposit of the ability of God in a believer that produces outward manifestations of power, of strength. It's, this is what God does. He infuses. Remember Ephesians? Be str- he, Paul said this in the book of Ephesians. He said, guys, finally my brethren. In other words, in the Greek. Now to the most important thing I'm going to say, if you didn't get anything else, get this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In the literal Greek, it would be, be continuously strengthened inwardly in the Lord. What is that? It's right here. God wants you to have a continuous infilling of his ability, which will produce outward manifestations of strength. You know what that is? It's producing outward manifestations of his ability. So while it's fixing your life, it's showing the world who God is. Do you see that? See, God puts his grace in you, and what comes out is his ability in the form of glory, healing, deliverance, soundness of mind, freedom, from fear, all of these things, restoration, hope. Boy, this is how it works, guys. Grace is a source of power which produces inward strength. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you see how it all fits? What we're doing is we're, this meal today, we're bringing it and putting it all together and we're saying, have ears to hear. Go back and listen 
outline these. What's really cool, I've said this before, is I don't have an off button. But you could turn me off if you listen to me on a computer or on your phone. Hit, hit the pause button and take notes. Underline those scriptures and let the Holy Spirit define and, and completely take this message and you can go deeper in it so that you lay hold and walk it out. The grace of God is an infusion of his divine ability. It produces inward strength that enables you to stand. Not stand barely making it. No, standing and rejoicing, laying hold of your inheritance, you stand. See, I'm so much bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. How strong am I? Well, you'd have to ask, how strong is God? Well, you can't measure that. So what do I do because I completely trust him, my trust in him, and all of this is expressed in the fact that I'm at rest? Satan will talk to you all day about how you're going to fix this, doesn't he? How are you going to fix this? Do you know that's, you, you need to tell him, I'm not fixing it. Are you kidding me? I'm resting. God's fixing it. How can I fix it, Satan? I already gave it to him. Right? He'll always talk to you about how, 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 how. God's like, forget the how. I'm the God of the how. You just believe. You rest. You thank me that it's done. Why can I thank him that it's done if I don't see it? Well, because it's already done. How do I know that? Well, if you want to see if you're healed, if you want to see if you're free, if you want to see if you've been delivered, here is how, this is where you look. You don't look out here. All this stuff you could see naturally is subject to change. This, where he says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, is not subject to change. He sent his word and healed you. That's not subject to change. This inward strength enables a believer to experience victory in every test, in every trial, in every circumstance, in every temptation that you'll ever face. This is, this is what enables you, the grace of God. Look at this, and you don't have to turn there, but in Ephesians 2, it, it outlines in verse 8 and 9 the greatest miracle that's ever happened to you. It says, for by grace are you saved. It's the Greek word sozo. For by grace are you saved. What does that word save mean? It means to deliver. For by grace are you delivered. For by grace are you saved. Same word, for by grace are you protected. That's the same word, salvation. Here's a good one. For by grace are you preserved. Here's a really good one. Same, same Greek meaning, for by grace are you made whole. I've been broken. And I can stand before you today going, I'm whole. Whole is a lot better. I've been bound and I'm free today. And oh my gosh, I'm growing in these things. I'm coming more and more aware of how free I am, of how whole I am, of how protected I am. All of these things. For by grace are you saved. How? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the very gift of God, 
not of works, lest any man should boast. See, as a Christian, I don't work for salvation. I don't work to get healed. I don't work, work to walk in the blessings of God. I now rest and I'm led by the Spirit of God. He guides me into all these things. So now my work, I'm just working out what he works in. So does a believer do works? Yes. They're works of rest because they're works. I'm working out only what he is working in. Oh, Satan will get on my shoulder as a pastor and tell me, man, you need to pray more. You need to do this. I'll go to a movie just to slap him in the face because I'm not going be, to do anything because he wants me to. There are times you face things and all of a sudden it just, it just probably freaks him out when you just are like, whatever. I'm going to take no thought. Father, I thank you that this is done. And all of a sudden you start stirring yourself pretty soon. You got your arms raised. You're crying. And you're just so excited that it's all done. And these little principalities and powers that are set against you are looking at you going, what do we do with this one? Right? <laughs> Satan's going to remove my little gold pitchfork from the little sign down in hell, right? No can't be in hell he's not there yet but he's I can't wait till he goes that'll be fun hallelujah second Corinthians I want you to set your eyes on this one second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 see in order for you second Corinthians 5 17 you have to know who you are and this is such a oh yeah I've heard this before if you're saying that slap yourself get over yourself and really meditate on this because there's so much here. It says, For he, talking about God the Father, hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. So let's break this down a little bit. For he hath made him Jesus. This word made means made to bear. He made Jesus to bear something. That something is called sin. It's the Greek word hamartia. It means literally an innocent sin sacrifice or offering. God the Father made Jesus bear all the sins of mankind. Where did he do that? On the cross. He died spiritually on that cross. And I define spiritual death as this. Separation. He was separated from his father for three hours on the cross. And at that time, he bore all the sin, all the sickness and disease, all the poverty and lack. It says, Matthew 8, 17, he himself bore all of my sickness and carried all of my pain. Quoting Isaiah 53. By whose stripes I'm healed, right? Isaiah 2.24. So we know on the cross he was made sick so that I could walk in healing. It also says in other parts that he was made poor so that I through his poverty might be made rich. If you look at Isaiah 53, this great redemptive chapter, you can't separate where he died for your sin, for your sickness, and for poverty and lack. It's all wrapped up right in there. It's all, it's all salvation, which makes sense, because the, the Greek word is sozo. 
There's another word, soterior. You know, we call it redemption, salvation, but it's an all-encompassing word. So Jesus, the Father, made Jesus bear all of our sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the very righteousness of God in him. See, Jesus took upon himself the whole burden of all of our sin, the whole shame of all of our sin, all the guilt, all the condemnation, and all of God's judgment. He took it all. You got to know that. Otherwise, you won't be able to understand. Oh, you'll think you understand, but the minute Satan says boo, you'll run away. Instead of just saying, what did you say? Are you sure you want to talk to me? Because I'm in Christ, and you've dealt with him before, right? Jesus, who knew no sin of his own, was made sin for us, so that we, who have no righteousness of our own, could be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. We do not become righteous. We are made righteous. If you have a New King James Bible... I would X out the word become. Put up the New King James Version. I love this version, but I, I can't agree with this one. See, it says, for he made him to be, him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become. That just denotes that there's like some process. There is no process. The Greek word is made. The moment... The moment you say, Jesus, I believe, I believe the Father rose you from the dead, and now I'm proclaiming that you're my Lord. What happens is the Holy Spirit of God comes into the inside of your physical body, and he takes out that spirit that was dead and separated from God. It's gone forever. That sin nature is gone forever. All of that old things are passed away. He puts a brand new spirit on the inside of you, and then the Holy Spirit will shed the love of God abroad in your heart, and the Holy Spirit will dwell in you forever, not just on the earth, forever. And right then, the Father declares you righteous, and he makes you the very righteousness of himself. It's instant. Now, as you grow, as you read the Word of God, as you meditate in the word, as you grow spiritually, you don't become more righteous. But you become more aware of what, who you are, of what righteousness really is. I could tell you this, in the month of May, I become much more aware of what it means to be righteous than in April. Guess what? In June, I will become more aware. As a matter of fact, today... I will become more aware of I'm righteous than I am right now. See, this is what God has for you as his child. You received the gift of righteousness when you got saved, and you need to know this, it cost God the death of his son for you and I to be made righteous. If you were to go to an art gallery or an art auction or any kind of an auction, and they were to auction off things, the amount of money paid for something would denote its value. Well, what did it cost God for you to be made his child? The very death of his son. This is how important you are to God. So good.
So see, we look at it, if you study the book of Romans, in Romans 3.23, it'll say this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I grew up in a a denomination that focused on this. And and we would look at Romans chapter 3 as this was an in-depth teaching on sin. But then when I grew up, I realized, no, 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 no. This is an in-depth teaching by Paul instructing the church at Rome in righteousness. But we focus so much on sin, so we know all about it. But we don't focus on righteousness, so we don't know much about it. We think righteousness is holiness, so we think if I'm doing the right thing, then I'm righteous. But if I'm not doing the right thing, then I'm not righteous. And that's just not true. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. If you make a choice, you don't have to, but if you allow the sin nature in your flesh to operate and you lie, cheat, steal, whatever it is, guess what? You're still righteous. You all are looking at me like, Ooh, what is this heresy? In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if I go and confess this sin before God, he'll forgive me and then cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. Well, guess what? When you, when you wash off, when God washes off the sinful behavior and the unrighteous behavior, guess what's underneath that? Righteousness. Because it's who I am. you got to realize as a Christian, who you are is not what you do. And I'm telling you, the Judaizers in Paul's day got really mad, said, don't believe this guy because he's running around giving people a license to sin. Well, I got to tell you, in 2019, if you just take a look at your life, did you ever need a license to sin? No. Right? But the Pauline revelation is, if you know who you are, that is the road to not partaking in sinful behavior. But you're not trying to be on your own. I'm being strengthened inwardly. I'm renewing my mind with the word of God. So now my renewed mind will side with my spirit and tell my flesh, which still has that sin nature in it, to, we're not doing this. We're not saying this. We're not going here. And your flesh will shut up and say, okay. But, but it'll want to do it later, right? It's amazing. Your flesh wants to eat stuff that's not good for you. It wants to say things that's not good for you to say. It wants to just produce death because that's all it can do. But your spirit, man, is like, man, I love God. I love his word. Whatever you feed is what will dominate your life. Feed the spirit and you won't walk and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh, which produce death. See, this is why in so much of the church today, we can't sing about the blood of Jesus. We, let's just sing about the love of Jesus so that I could, I could still live uh, any way I want and have God. And the, the bummer about that is it never works. It just doesn't work because it's death. God has a better life for you. It's really hilarious because people will think Christianity is about a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. And it's not. Do you guys believe that? It's all about, it's all about a relationship with God that causes you to live at a different level, a higher level. When you taste and see that God is so good, 
you won't taste the world anymore. Because he just is so good. We are aware. We're so aware of what we've been born out of. Because we look at sin. We think about our sinful things and this and that. But we spend very little time about looking at what we've been born into. Today I'm teaching you a little bit about what you've been born out of, but a lot about what you've been born into. We're teaching a little bit of a cross theology, but I'm teaching you a lot more of what? A throne theology. Because that's what's going to help you overcome. Because if you're, if you're looking backwards all the time, you're not going to access by faith the grace of God which will cause you to have inward strength, inward strength and inward manifestations of his ability that are now showing on the outside. This is how we live. So very, very important. So righteousness, it's a free gift of God provided by Jesus at Calvary. How? Through the grace of God. That's literally what we're talking about. So the word righteousness, the literal meaning of it, means to be in right standing. You are in right standing. If, if you've invited Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, you're in right standing with God. I love this definition. I think E.W. Kenyon, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's him who came up with this. But righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority to stand in his presence as if sin never existed in your life. That's what righteousness does. And that's why we must teach on it. This is the key to reigning in life. Through our traditional thinking, we can get into where we're confusing righteousness with holiness. Forget that. Holiness flows out of righteousness. When you walk and you have a sense you're in my, I'm in my Father's presence. I have no sense of guilt or shame or inferiority. There's no condemnation. I know he loves me. It changes everything in your life. Righteousness or righteous is who you are. So now turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I love this. In Colossians chapter 1, we're going to go to verse 12 and 13. You guys doing okay today? You've been hanging in there pretty good. It says this, verse 12, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet. This, this word meet in the Greek means he's made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, how did he do that? How did he make you able to partake? Verse 13, who hath, past tense, delivered us from the delegated authority, the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. When you got born again, you were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of God's dear son. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, it says it right there that it's God, God's pleasure was to give us the kingdom. 
So I'm moved, when I accept Christ, I'm moved into a position of the new birth. I enter the kingdom of God as God's very own child. And in this kingdom, I have certain rights and certain privileges, and God in all of heaven backs all of this up. As a believer, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You have a right to everything in the kingdom of God, but here's the big thing. You will choose, only you can choose whether to partake or not to partake, right? This is, this is huge, huge. So now, Paul, in Romans chapter 9, you don't have to turn there, I just want to read it to you for time's sake because we're really coming down the hill here. Romans chapter 9 in verse 30 through verse 33, he said this. He said, what shall we say then that the Gentiles... Now, in the Jewish mind, everybody else who was not a Jew is a Gentile. That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness. Even the righteousness which is of faith. So Paul is saying... He's saying, these Gentiles who were not even trying to attain it, they attained righteousness because they simply believed what God said. Verse 31, but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. And then it says, wherefore, that, that word literally means why. And it, tells, it says why, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. See, it's all, it's, it's, it just, it's, a, it's a choice. It's faith. It's believing what God's word says. I love this. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through verse 11, it says this. And I want to finish talking a little bit about the fruits of righteousness. It says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That Greek word judgment means in knowledge and in all perception. God wants his love to abound in you and through you more and more based on knowledge, what's this? Knowledge that he loves me. And perception that I not only believe it, but I know it. And it says here that you may approve the things that are excellent. See, if, you don't, or if you're not walking in, in a revelation of how much God loves you, if you don't see it, you're not going to be able to approve things that are excellent because you'll live a life, everything will be confusing that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled, verse 11, with the fruits of righteousness. Now, this word fruits, it's, it's literally the Greek word karpos. It's not, it's not plural, it's singular. It's being filled with the fruit of righteousness. What is fruit? It is a visible expression of that which is working inwardly in you. It's that which is working invisibly. You can't see it. But fruit can be seen. See, this is 
we are never to judge people, except one. Every one of us get the luxury, we get to, we get to judge one person on the planet. And if you want to know who that is, you just go look in a mirror, and it's the guy that's looking back at you. But we are to judge fruit. Does that make sense? We're to judge the fruit of people's life. But this is telling us, be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So what is the fruit? So Isaiah 32, 17 says this, and the work of righteousness. That means the work or the transaction or the action of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect or the result of righteousness is what? Quietness and assurance forever. What is the fruit of righteousness? It's the peace of God. It's the peace. Peace is not a feeling. Feelings are a result of the peace. So right now, I am, right now as I'm talking about it, I am being overwhelmed in my spirit with this incredible, quiet assurance and peace. In every area of your life, you can draw on this. Anytime you get in a battle, you get in a hard place, anytime you feel lonely, no matter what it is, draw on that. How do you do that? Father, I thank you that Jesus was made sin so that I could be made righteous. And I'm your child, and I thank you for your love for me. And you, I mean, you, you just stir that up. It's amazing. It's amazing. See, fear is a result of not knowing about righteousness. That's how fear can get in. If you don't know that you're righteous, fear is going to be able to come right in. And fear is external. It, it, it's to have no place in our life. Fear is a result of not knowing about righteousness or failing to act on your right standing with God. Guys, I'm telling you the answer on how to walk in the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I got to tell you, as I stand here, it's like I can hardly contain myself because there's so much joy, there's so much peace. And it brings things in right perspective. Because remember how I said this? It, it, it's so true. Look, I'm closing my Bible so you guys could, your hunger pains could kind of tone down a little bit. <laughs> See, as a child of God now, this self-centeredness that came out of the sin nature is gone. It's still in my flesh, but it's not in my spirit. And as I renew my mind with the word of God, I learned to grow. So now I don't, like I said earlier, and if you, if you didn't get anything out of this message, get this. I don't look at my life as the way it is. I don't see things in the world as they are. I see everything based on who I am in Christ. So now all things are possible to me. Now I'm strong in him. My provision is not based on the world system. It's not based on anything. No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I'll condemn the tongue while I love the person. 
All my children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be the peace of my children. Do you see all these things are a result of the fact of who I am? All of these things are a result of who you are. So now, it's everything in your life has to bow to who you are in Christ. It's all yours. So be encouraged today, amen?